Are you ready? Man, I've been looking forward to this all week, you guys. Uh, we're going to be in a lot of different places in the Bible. This is a standalone sermon. Uh, last week, we talked about the renewing of the mind through the Bible. And I just touched a little bit on it, and I got a flood of emails and texts saying, Hey, John, can you teach more on that? We want to know more about the renewing of the mind. So uh, we don't usually take requests, but I felt like the Holy Spirit was really pressing it on my soul uh, to teach about this amazing topic that's changed my family for good in a great way. So we're going to talk about that this week, and then next week we're going to start a new series. You want to know what the series is going to be on? You got to come next week. All right? But for this week, let's go ahead and go, and we can start in Galatians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you. If you don't have a Bible and you don't know what a Bible is, don't worry. We're going to put all the verses uh, up here on the screen for you, for, for you to read. Remember, you can take pictures of some of these quotes and everything else up here. But let's start in Galatians chapter 5. All right, I got to confess this. I, I started working out again, as you can tell, I'm sure. All 150 pounds of me. Um, but uh, I realized because of my diet, like, I need to start working out. And so, like any dummy, I, I went and Googled, you know, good workout routines. And then I quit just off of reading these workout routines. Um, but one of them, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into the scriptures in just a second, but I want to set this up. One of the workouts that I saw was called the Madman Workout. Now, right there, I'm like, nah. I'm not joining the madman workout. Like, I wouldn't mind, like, the 30-something uh, slowing down workout. Uh, but the madman workout, it sounds and looks something like this. Check this out. I want, you, I want you to picture yourself going into the madman workout. And by the way, when I'm working this out, um, what this exercise routine looks like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that and I'm going to say, what if we did that with our souls? What if we did that with our spirits? What if we had a... What if we had a, a routine? What if we were spiritually muscular and we were this disciplined about our souls? What would be happening in our lives? But back to the routine, check this out. This is why I didn't do it. Here's how it works. Day one, move through the sequence, resting 30 seconds or less between exercises. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I need more than 30 seconds between exercises. Rest 60 seconds or less after the last exercise. And they begin the sequence again. That's a lot of sequence. Try to move through the entire sequence three times. <laughs> As your endurance grows, reduce the amount of rest until you're taking no rest between exercises and 30 seconds or less between circuits. I don't even know what a circuit is. Remember, if you can't yet do any of these exercises, that's me, with good form, that's me, replace it with something similar like binge watching Netflix maybe, I don't know. No, regular squats for one-legged squats. <laughs> I mean, it's hard enough to do squats with both legs. For, for example, adding in more advanced exercises as strength grows. Now, I, I don't even know what any of this means. I'm looking at this going, man, I just want to feel a little more healthy. And then it goes like this, five to eight missing arm push-ups. Anybody see a problem with that? Five to eight one-legged squats, and on and on this thing goes. Now, let me ask you guys a question in light of the Scripture and our souls. Why in the world would anybody put themselves through that? Pain is a funny thing. Have you ever noticed that we, we will choose to go through pain if, if the end result is beneficial for us? Why would, anybody, why would anybody put themselves through that day in and day out? One word, change. 
change. Hang on now, change. Think about that. People will go through that type of rigorous pain and workout simply to experience change. Now, I'm thinking about my own life, and, and by the way, I never entered into, these, in, into any of these workouts because here's what happened in my life. I began to think to myself, wait a minute, what if I put myself through something like that in my soul? Do I want to change that much in my heart? Change, change is the, the thing that kind of hover over all of humanity, whether you're a San Franciscan and you think about the different uh, parades and the different causes going on even this weekend. If you think about humanity globally, humanity is a progressive creature. We are constantly looking to improve. But here's my question. Here was the question to my own heart before the Lord Jesus Christ this week. What are we really looking for to change most though? What do we want to change and progress most in? Now, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Someone's going to have to help me with this. Now, I want to throw, I throw a, a quote up behind me, okay? I want you to read this. Does everybody, everybody remember this great children's book, Where the Wild Things Are? How many of you guys remember that book? Now, I love Max. Uh, there he is right there. Now, now here's, what, here's what he said right here. Here's what the author said. I was reading some quotes on change. There must be more to life than having everything. Think about that. There must be more to life than having everything. In other words, we can try to change by collecting all these things around us, different possessions. We can try to change the way we look. We can try to change our jobs, our health. All of those things are fine. All of those things are good. But what Sendek is saying here and what so many people have discovered is when you finally get those things, it doesn't settle the soul. Which is to say, I wonder, I just have to wonder a little bit if we really want change somewhere else, we want it in the heart. And I think if we're all fair and honest today, I think we're all longing for a beautiful heart. And the reason I believe that in my own life is because the trouble in my heart is really the root of all my problems in life. It's not my body, it's not how I look, it's not my job, it's not my family, it's not my financial situation, all important. What's really going on at the core of me that's bothering me is the things in my heart that aren't settled and right. Now, look at Galatians 5. Look at verse 22, 23. I think we talk about this almost every week. Here's what we can have. This is what Christianity produces. When someone receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, when somebody realizes that because they've sinned, because they've fallen short of God's perfect standard, because they realize they were made for God, and yet they haven't lived for God, and they've rejected God, when they finally come to that place of realizing that the only way to find life and joy is to come back to God. And the only way to come back to God is through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what we call the gospel. It's the good news that although you're separated from God, you can come back to Him. He can be your Father. You can have a relationship with Him and He can give you these things. He can give you love and joy and peace and patience and long-suffering. Uh, he can transform the human heart if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus alone. Not by being religious, not by giving all your money to a church, not by hitting all the little checklist boxes of being a good person. All of that falls short of God's perfect standard. Only through Christ Jesus believing in what he did on the cross and coming to him in faith for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever you are, However, however low you've fallen, however sinful you've been, 
no matter what you've done to throw your, your life away, if you'll come for the forgiveness of sin, Jesus will be faithful to forgive you and save you and bring you back to God. And the gift he gives you, yeah, total amen moment right there. The gift that he gives you is the spirit of Jesus Christ who will dwell with you. And what, yeah, absolutely. So we're a unit here. One of us claps, all of us claps. All right? We got to do that. Even if you're confused, just be like, all right, sounds good. So when the spirit of Jesus comes upon a human life, think about that. The presence of God, follow me, the, like God, the God who, if we were to stand before, we'd die. He's like that amazing. And he's like, no, I'm your father. I love you. Through Jesus, you're going to stand before me with joy. Like this God sends his spirit to, and he just invades us. I mean, he just comes upon us. And you cannot be the same when you come in contact with the living God, with the Holy Spirit. Like he begins to shape you and change you. Galatians 5.22 is the promised birthright for all those who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Like, I want that. I want to be a deep lover. I want to be full of joy. I want to have peace. I want to be patient. I want to be kind. I want to be good. I want to be faithful to people and God. I want to be gentle. I want to be self-controlled. My flesh acts out with these animalistic instincts. I don't want to run. I want to say, no, it's not the way of God. And then he goes like this, against such things there is no law. You say, what is that? There's no way to do that. There's no way to live that life by your own strength. You can't follow like rules and do that. You've got to have the spirit of God completely invade you and give you a new power. Like that's our life as Christians. And if you like drug yourself into a church and you're like, man, that's not the, the Christianity I was introduced to. Like I want you to reawaken to this joyous Christianity of ours. It's the life we have with God. The big question is, how do we unlock it? How do we tap into it? Now, if you're here and you're a grad or, or you didn't go to school and you're trying to figure life out or wherever you're at in life, if you're retired, life may not become exactly what you envisioned. Yeah? But here's the great thing about God. While your life may not necessarily be becoming the thing that you have written out in the story of your mind, your heart can. You can become the right person. So no matter what you end up doing, no matter where you end up, whether you're single or married or divorced and trying to figure it out, whether you're broke or making a lot of money, whether you live in the bay or you end up moving out of the bay or whatever goes on in your life, if you can become the right person no matter where life takes you, you can live this life, this life of joy. You can be becoming someone new. And so I've tried to simplify my life. Although life is terribly complex, I've tried to simplify my life. I just want to become the right person. And I really think by becoming the right person, I will deal with things the right way. I will have the right marriage. I will deal with finances and kids. And all, all of that will begin to fall in place if my heart can change. That's what I'm focused on. So here's the big question, you guys. How then do we become this ever-changing person, this progressively beautiful person? Let, let, let the real John begin to come forth. How do we do it? If the Spirit of God is in me, if I've received Jesus as my Savior, man, how do I change? And I believe this is one of the fundamental battles in Christianity. I mean, there, there are hundreds of books on this. 
And a lot of us have them, right? You got them stacked up now because you're like, I tried those four steps and it didn't work. Like my, me and my wife are still fighting or whatever it is. How do we change? Uh, when we were living in Sacramento, my wife, uh, we knew we were urban people when we started gardening. Because like we killed everything. We're like, maybe we're made for like the city. And so my wife has this rose garden. We move in and she's got this beautiful rose garden and uh, it's got like bugs on it. And I'm like, I think they're good. I think they're like pollinating. They're not good. These bugs start killing the flowers. And so here's what, my, my wife wants them to grow. She wants them to be beautiful. She wants, when people walk up to our house, she wants people to, to go, man, there's beauty right there. There's, there's something beautiful growing. We want the same thing with our souls. And so we would go to the uh, gardener store or something and uh, we would walk into the aisles that had plant food <laughs> and we would spend way too much money buying like this plant steroid and we'd take it home and we would like dump it on the roses and we'd like bury some of it and pour bottled water at the base of it with the hopes that maybe this time this particular bag of rose food will grow the rose. And it wouldn't. The rose would keep shriveling. It would not grow healthy and beautiful. And so we would have to go back to the store. We'd buy another product. Does that sound familiar with Christian growth? We'd buy another product. And uh, we'd dump it on, spend more money, throw the bag in the garage, another bag stacked up, nothing's growing. This thing's dying. Then we'd try to uproot it, put it in a different location. Because, by the way, if you, if you just move, things get better, Right? So we just uproot that thing, we pop it back into the ground, no growth. And that's a little bit like the Christian life to me. It's like we try all these things. We can flip churches and read books and, and dive into new teaching and all this stuff. And yet the Bible is very clear about how the Holy Spirit works with our hearts to change us and make us into this beautiful person that Jesus saved us to be. Now, let's find out where the core thing is that we need to focus on if we're going to transform when we look back at our last great disaster, everybody got it? When you look back on your last great disaster, what do we always say? What was I? Hmm. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? Why do we say that? What do we know? What we learned last week is, is through the mind, all of our action flows. So, if we can find a way for the Holy Spirit to tap into our minds, if the mind is the engine that runs the life, uh, we can't separate actions and attitudes from thought. Everything flows from thought. Okay, if we got that figured out, if it's the mind we got to deal with, what if the scripture, this ancient book for contemporary problems, what if it actually teaches us what to do with our minds? And if we start the process today, like today, we will start seeing radical transformation in our lives. How does this work? Uh, look at Luke chapter 6. Dive over there. We'll throw it on the screen. Use your Bibles though. Use your apps. Luke chapter 6. This is the teaching of Jesus. So right after I got saved, uh, I thank the Lord for the church we got saved in. But it was a lot of doing, which there, I have no problem with doing. I mean, hello. Uh, but it was a lot of doing and, and, and not a lot of focus on my heart, my mind, and I was finding that I was exhausted, I was doing a lot, but I didn't feel like I was changing inside, I didn't have peace, I was wrestling and wrestling. Um, 
I didn't have the joy. I didn't, I didn't have this, this, this serenity about me that I kept reading in the scripture, but I kept doing and doing and doing and doing. And I realized that that was the wrong focus. I figured if I kept doing things, then I would change. And all I was doing was changing on the outside with the hopes that someone was impressed. What I needed is something on the inside. And so I started reading things like this. And by the way, you change the inside, you'll change the outside. Like if you're like, oh, well, be careful there because no one will do anything. No, no, no. If you change the mind, you change the heart, you change the affections of a person, they will do. Like my wife does not treat me well because she just does. Like she falls in love with me in her heart and she wants to do. Okay? So Luke chapter 6, look at the words of Jesus. He goes like this, and if this is confusing, I'll flesh this out, don't worry. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Huh? Okay, so the fruit growing matches what's going on in the root of the tree. Your action matches your mind. Nor, again, does a bad tree bear good fruit. So if a tree's got rotten uh, roots to it, it's not going to grow good, big, plump apples. If the, the core, the fruit is rotten, the apples either aren't going to grow or they're going to rot. This is what Jesus is trying to teach us. And he's, he's using the mind. He goes, but if the mind is healthy, if the mind is in tune with God, you're going to bear good fruit. You're going to create good action. You're not even going to have to try. Good thoughts are naturally going to produce great action. Bad thoughts are going to create bad action. And by the way, you can only hide those so long. He says in verse 44, for each tree... The one with the rotten roots, the one with the healthy roots. Each person, the one with the bad thought life, the one with the good thought life, is known by its own fruits. In other words, I can tell what's going on in your minds by the way you act. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Love does not come from your life if you have hate in your mind. If you have love in your mind, your actions will show love. Patience will not come forth from your life if you don't have patient thoughts, if you're not renewing your mind with thoughts of patience. You put patient thoughts from the scripture in your mind, you start bleeding those out towards people. And the reason we keep behaving and feeling wrong, guys, just to encourage us, seriously, is because we're thinking wrong. Change your thinking change your life. I remember reading this years ago. I think Jonathan Edwards or one of these guys uh, wrote this. Listen to this very carefully. You can go no higher than your thoughts. You can go no higher than your thoughts. And so when we, we become Christians, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we receive the ability to heal our thinking. We receive the power and the ability to actually heal our thinking and transform our thinking. You want to see it? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's go there. You guys good? It's a lot to think about, I know. We should probably do this over like six weeks, too late. Uh, here it comes. But uh, check out 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Allison, can, I, can you bump my monitors up just a bit? My thinking's wrong. I'm com I'm, uh, I can't hear myself. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, but check this out. Yeah, that's beautiful. First, first Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 11. So here's what happens when you get saved. And, and I just think like all we know is like, okay, I'm forgiven and I think I'm going to heaven. And there's like so much more that happens to you when you receive Jesus as your Savior. 
the Spirit of Jesus Christ comes upon you and check out what he does. Look at verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him. So you don't know my thoughts, only I know my thoughts. Is that fair? Like if I was to ask you, what am I thinking right now? You'd all be like, I have no clue. But because I'm in me, I know what I'm thinking. I want to know what God thinks. Only God knows what he thinks. So God goes like this. Then I'll come in your head. And I'll bring my thoughts into your mind. And I'll bring my thoughts into your heart. So you can know the way that I do things. And they can start renewing your mind and flooding out from you. Look at verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the, the Holy Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The Spirit brings the mind of God inside of us, and now we can tap into the way God thinks. Like, this is insane. And Paul goes like this. This is what church is to Paul. Like, we don't go to church. We experience things. Check this out. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. In other words, it goes like this. When we gather on the Lord's Day, guys, we don't just talk about stuff. We don't just talk about things of, of the culture and the world. We have the ability through the Holy Spirit who's in us to take this book and go, man, what does God think about sex and marriage and depression? Let's learn about that, and the Holy Spirit will help us put those thoughts in our minds, and we'll start thinking about these things differently, and we'll start acting these things out differently. That's church, guys. This is an intense experience. So I want to say this, depressed one, frustrated one, burned out one, angry one, wherever you're at, confused one, the possibilities of you are endless. Because you can take your mind in light of God's word and transform it beyond measure. And your action is going to follow. So wherever you're at in life, man, this can be a fresh start for you. So for the Christian, everyone, everyone loved math. I hate math. And if you're a mathematician, I love you. I just hate math. I'm going to put an equation up on the board. We, we've, we did this about eight months ago. I'm going to put an equation, a math equation, up on the board behind me. I want everyone to take a picture of it, write it down, draw it, memorize this for the rest of your days. This was a fundamental turning point in my life. You see it? Write that down. Take a picture of that. Right thinking over time equals growth. You get it? Right thinking over time equals growth. And I say over time because it's a community project. It's just going to take time to do this. Okay? Write it down. Um, this is probably going to be at the core of our ministry here at Bethel, Lord willing, for the next 40 or 50 years, however uh, long the Lord gives me here. Um, this has been the fundamental teaching at every church that we've been involved with because it's through the renewing of the mind that you grow. We learn the ways of God. We, and I love the idea of being born again. That's why every now and then, you know, a baby will cry in here. And I, I just love the reminder. We're like little children. We're born again. And it's like we get to start over. And now we get to take this book. And it's like God is now our father. And he's like, hey, I want to re-raise you. I just want to re-raise you. Whatever you were taught about money and sex and value and identity and depression and anger and, and just all of these things, money and just, you know, you can go on and on with this list. God goes like this, I want to reteach you, I want to re-raise you and redo your thinking about all of these things and transform your life. 
So I'm going to give you two thoughts. I want you to write them down. Man, I love this. Is this too much? It's kind of too late. <laughs> it's like, it's on. I'm going to give you two quick thoughts today, guys. We're going we're gonna to lay these down. We're going to start a journey as a, a church family and go through these things. And I'm saying this because I love you and I believe in you. No matter what's going on right now in this church or in your life, I believe in the power of change. Okay, starting with me. So let's grow together. Two, two steps that the Apostle Paul gives us, and you can turn over to Romans 12. Two steps. If you want to begin the journey of transformation today. Dealing with your mind. You ready for the first step? All right, here's, here's the first step. The first step is to identify the destructive thoughts that are in your mind. You have to begin to identify the destructive thoughts in your mind. About 10 years ago, uh, I'd been saved for a while. After, after about 10 years, I finally read this teaching. And I realized that my thoughts are out of control. Like I'm not even aware of what I'm thinking. And so I begin this exercise of being aware of my thoughts or thinking about what I'm thinking about. Thinking about what I'm thinking about. So if you think about it, if, if we kind of wrap this up, if how we feel and what we do is controlled by our thoughts, we have to start identifying the wrong thoughts that we carry. And I'm not, I'm not even sure if people know that they can alter the way they think or they can, they can alter or even identify the bad thoughts in, in their lives. But look at Romans chapter 12 and look at verse 1. He goes like this. He goes, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, you think about the Old Testament, like they were sacrificing animals. Paul's like this. None of those animals, like, ran into the temple. Like, yes, sacrificial day, let's do this. You know, let me just throw myself on the altar and, you know. It, it just didn't work that way. When you had an animal, you had a rope around its neck, and you were, like, tugging it into the altar to present it to God. Paul goes like this. God doesn't want us to do that. <laughs> he doesn't want us coming to him, you know, kicking and screaming and, and digging our heels in. He wants us coming to him with our whole lives, excited that he's about to change us. He goes, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, only by the grace of God can we do this, to present your bodies, your whole life, as a living sacrifice. Like, Jesus, I love you so much. I trust you so much. I experience your love so much that I want to lay my whole life down. My finances, my time, my will, I want, it, I want it all to be yours. I want it to be holy and acceptable to you, God. And it's, it's my reasonable gift back to you. It's my spiritual worship, or it's the least thing that I could possibly do for what Jesus did for me on the cross. Well, how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, the first thing he does is gives us the negative in verse 2. He goes, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. And it's like, yeah, but we live in San Francisco. And it's like the coolest city ever. Some of you are like, no, it's not. You've only been here a year, buddy. You know, at, you, you don't come here to dodge the city. You come here to enjoy the city, and I think we need to. I think God is the God of culture. I think the God, is, God is the God of arts and music and all the rest. We need to redeem all that. But at the same time, if you think about what Paul is saying is, you need to be aware of the false messages that have been drilled into your head. And I don't want to psychoanalyze a group of people, but if you think about, 
we talked about this last week, if somebody's even told you something over and over and over and over and over and over about who you are, and it's just been drilled in here, Paul's like, don't be conformed to those lies. You've got to identify the false things that have been lodged in your brain for years. And that's a hard thing to do. Or even the messages. I mean, we all, I mean, most of us, you know, Netflix and Amazon movies and iTunes movies and all this stuff. Like there's, everything has a message connected to it. And, I, and Paul never tells us anywhere, nor does Jesus like just live in hiding, just cut the whole world off. No, he just says don't be conformed to it, which is to say, you guys be very careful about the messages that are being planted in your brain about image and what it looks like to live the good life and all those things. Paul goes, we got to identify those nasty things. They're in there. And he goes, do not be conformed. Don't let it form you. Don't let it become a permanent thought because it's going to become a permanent action. Like if you've been told over and over about yourself that you're just this junk, you're nothing, it's going to become a habitual thought and you're going to start acting it out. If you, if you were told on the opposite side, like you are God's gift, like as soon as there's an opening in the Trinity, you get it. <laughs> like if you were told over and over, like yes, you are amazing and you've got a lot of prideful things kind of running through your head, he's like, don't be conformed to that either. Like that could be messing you up. That may be a part of the conflict. So it's very hard to, to figure this out. When he says don't, keep, don't be conformed to this world, he's talking about like the attitude of our culture, the things that our culture and that people have told us. And I'm just very aware that in my own life, in your life, every one of us, we carry a head full of lies. And when we get saved, we carry it into our Christianity. Some from parents, some from culture, some from churches. Or maybe we just think darkly about certain situations. Like when something starts happening in a church or something start ha starts happening in life, like your mind's just been geared for so long to start thinking about the worst. Paul's like, you gotta begin to identify those thoughts. And the hard part is when, you, when you're not thinking about what you're thinking about, like why do I feel nasty right now? Like if you don't slow down and say, I don't feel good right now, what am I thinking about? Like get there, John. What are you thinking about right now? It's so interesting when you slow down long enough to do that, you start going, I'm totally hopeless right now. My mind is thinking this, this despairing thought and it may not even happen. It's all created behavior that can be reversed. And what Paul says is find those thoughts that are plaguing you guys. When you're feeling ugly inside or you're feeling frustrated inside or you, you don't trust or you're impatient or you're very you know, insecure about how you look or feel, I want you guys to begin to slow down and say, what is running through my mind right now? And I want you to grab a hold of it and I want you to call it something. Paul always gives it a name. It's hopelessness. It's, it's selfishness. It's anger. It's wrath. It's pride. Give it a name. Because in giving, giving it a name, we're going to find a solution. When you go to the doctor, they don't just say, dude, you're sick. Like, here's 18 prescriptions, good luck. They say, we're going to identify the sickness. Because identifying a specific sickness allows us to take the right medicine and apply it. And when you begin to identify that I'm hopeless all the time up here. I'm hopeless all the time up here. I'm hopeless all the time. Okay, that's why I'm feeling this way. I'm gonna call it what the Bible calls it. I'm gonna call it what God calls it. It's hopelessness. Then I can take specific things from the word and begin to fight it off of my head. Now I can say, I gotta find scripture on faith, 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 faith. 
So Paul is saying, find the thoughts that are plaguing you. And this is my, this is my practice, guys. When I start feeling weird inside or I'm, I'm short-tempered or I'm agitated at home or something like that, I slow down and I literally, I literally begin to speak to myself, John, what is bothering you? What's in your head? What's at the root of all this? Grab the thought, John. Grab the thought. Uh, I was on staff at a church in Seattle where I became a Christian and uh, as an assistant pastor, associate pastor, and I also did the landscaping. We had a low budget. <laughs> and I actually loved it because I did some landscaping and it was kind of fun to get my hands dirty uh, and all that. And so we, we, had a, we had this guy, bless his heart, uh, I love volunteers, but this guy took, watch me now, he took care of the landscaping. Here's what he did. He literally went to the hardware store and bought bags of seed. I'm not even sure he knew what they were. And he, he just, in the joy of the Lord, he just threw them everywhere. <laughs> and like six months later, no, no joke, you guys, it was a jungle. Like they were like roses and like, I'm telling you, we were growing corn in our parking lot. And so our pastor one day is like, John, you did some landscaping. And I'm like, Why? And he's like, I need you to totally redo what's out in front of our church. And I'm like, okay. I'm in the ministry, so I'm not gonna, I'm gonna shortcut this big time because I'm a pastor now. And so I went out there and I cut down everything like with a saw. <laughs> and I bought, we bought some sod and I rolled the sod over everything. I just chopped everything down at ground level and I rolled sod over it. And I'm like, and my pastor's like, well done, young man, you know? It wasn't four weeks later before <laughs> everything was growing through the sod. And every day I'm going out there before my pastor shows up. And I hope he doesn't listen to this. And uh, I'm like cutting this stuff down. And, uh, I and, and I, I'm sitting there. Everything's a sermon when, when God calls you to preach the gospel. Everything's a sermon. So I'm looking at, at that and I'm like, oh, that's like my brain. That's like my mind. I can't keep trying to battle what's going wrong in my life, but just, okay, I'm angry right now. Oh, just chop away. What I had to do was I had to look at that sod and I had to go, okay, I got to dig down. And every time I would dig down to the root of the problem, I would find the bulb and I would pull the bulb out and I would like bomb that thing as far as I could in the name of Jesus. And I would rebuke it. Don't you ever come back. You're of the devil. <laughs> and I, I, I pulled all this, all the roots out. And when I pulled the roots out, nothing ever grew back. It was this beautiful looking grass and I'm like that's just like my mind like I have to identify the root thoughts that are going on in my mind and I got to somehow dig those out I can't do anything else I can't I can't keep just showing up and working I got to get in here I got to find these bad roots so think about it fear pride relationship problems worry growing old your potential who you are identity risk your path of life, your view of money, all of it. Man, if it's bothering you, get the thought. Hold on to it. Call it something. And then here's the second step Paul gives us. The second step is to replace those thoughts with the thoughts of God. So, okay, I got it. It's bad. It's broken. Now I got to replace it with the thought of God. And this is what the Holy Spirit loves to do. Look at uh, Romans 12 too. We got to hurry. Do not be conformed to this world. Find the bad thoughts. Identify them. But be transformed by the renewal. Underline that word in your Bible, unless it's a pew Bible. Be transformed. How, Paul? How do I become new? Find the bad thought. 
and then renew the minds. How many of you guys have ever renovated a house? The word renewal means renovation. Find the bad thought, rip it out. Tear it on the wall. Don't just put new pictures up. Rip the wall out. Rip the plumbing out. Throw that, cast it away. Call it evil. Call it wrong. And then he goes like this, and then rebuild. And then rebuild the wall. And then put new pipes in. And then put new electrical in. Then put the new roof on. Put the new thought of God into your minds. And tell yourself that thought over and over again until that becomes a second nature thought. Lies lose their control once the light of God's word exposes them. Um, I used to be afraid of the dark last year. No, I'm teasing. But when I was little, I was afraid of the dark and, because I had big brothers and they're like, hey, good night. <laughs> Hope you make it through the night with the guy in the closet. No, um, just games, brother games. But I remember being afraid of the dark um, and uh, you know how it is. You're sitting in bed, like literally, and you're looking in the closet and you're like, I know something's in there. And it's dark, you can't see. I know there's something in there and it's gonna get me. It's like your mind. There's something in there, ah. Oh. And what do you do? You grab that flashlight, you pop it on, you shoot, you shoot it into the closet. What happens to the darkness? The darkness begins to be destroyed by the light and you realize there's nothing there. There's nothing to worry about. That's what Paul is saying with the mind. There's dark spots in the mind. There's lies in the mind. And once you identify those dark spots and you shine the light of God's word on it, you begin to expose it. And every time you think that thought from God's word, you begin to weaken that evil thought. You begin to drive it away every time you counter it. And that's what he means in Romans 12 too. He says, renew it, renovate it, get God's word in your mind, demo your mind, and totally remodel every bit of it according to God's word. So I ask us this question as a group, whose voice is loudest in your mind? God's voice or the many voices that have been implanted in our brains? So here's what we do. We remodel our thought life by putting the thoughts of God into our minds constantly. Exposure to the word of God is what grows us into a Christ-like life. The hard part is it's not an easy book. Therefore, the greatest obstacle is reading the word of God, hearing the word of God taught, hearing the word of God preached. That's why we want to develop more ministries that are built around the word of God so our minds can be renewed together in community and we can become the people we're designed to be. And when we learn from the word, we think a thousand little thoughts from God's word because we're exposing our minds so often to the word of God. What we begin to do is we create a second nature. We habitually begin to think like when it comes to money, you don't worry anymore because you've worked scripture into your mind over and over again that no, have faith. Have I ever failed you? Have faith. Have I ever failed you? Have faith. Have I ever failed you? No, you haven't. And after doing that month after month after month, pretty soon when money comes comes about and, and there's that worry immediately your mind says no we're conditioned we know what to do with this God will not forsake you so what this is going to take is discipline it's going to take a schedule that's why I started this by talking about working out it's a lot like working out if you're going to put the thoughts of God into your mind you're going to have to become a, a spiritual athlete there's going to have to be a routine there's going to have to be a regiment there's going to have to be there's going to have to be a discipline. Look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 
This is what Paul tells the young man. He says, as a pastor, make spiritual athletes with the word of God in the brain. He goes in verse 6, 1 Timothy 4, 6. If you put these things before the brothers, young man, if you pastor God's people and you teach the church this, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Here's what you need to teach the church. Being trained. Look at that. Look at that athletic feel. Being trained in the words of the faith. The Bible. Like, God, we need your thoughts about everything that pertains to life. And of the good doctrine. That's just teaching. That's just the Bible. That you follow. Like, keep training your brains to think the way of God through the word. And watch what happens. Look at the beauty that will come forth. Have nothing to do with irreverent, ungodly, silly myths. Like, stupid stuff. (laughs) Like dumb thoughts, you know, stuff that's just going to tweak your brain. He goes, rather, there it is again, rather train yourself for godliness. He said it in verse 6. You train yourself to be like God by getting God's thoughts in your mind through the word. He goes, for while bodily training, it's of some value. It's all good. Godliness, guys, being like Jesus, growing, changing, is of value in every way. Like it's gonna blow your mind. It's gonna make life beautiful. Why? Because it holds promise, not only for this life, it promises a beautiful life. But also, man, you're gonna wake up in eternity one day and you're gonna be so blown away when you see Jesus that the power of transformation that he did through the word of God in your minds. First round draft pick. NBA draft. I was down at uh, Crape House writing this sermon, watching the draft. I was texting Jeff. And the first round draft pick, he, uh, he opens up his jacket and he's got all this writing in it. And his jacket, his mom had it sewn in. And it was this life motto, faithful to the grind. Faithful to the grind. I'm sitting there and thinking, that, that's, that's what Paul's saying in 1 Timothy 4, 6. Let's be faithful to the grind of putting the word in our minds. Just just be faithful. Just make it a lifestyle. In the morning, let's talk about it. Let's come into the word on the Lord's Day for an hour and a half. Let's, Let's develop more community groups. Let's do all these things and build it all around the word. Let's be faithful to the joyous grind of renewing our minds through the word of God and watching what God is doing in our lives. So I'm gonna give you three quick things. You say, where do I start? Because I I don't even own a Bible. Okay, number one, buy a Bible. Uh, that's number point five. Number one, I want you to have a specific time when you read this book. And I want you to have a specific time when you hear the word taught on the Lord's Day. Make it special. Make this, a, make this a piece of your life for an hour and a half that you say, no, that's my highest thing right there. I come and worship and renew my mind on the Lord's Day. But even at home, have a specific time. Uh, when my wife and I wake up, we almost don't talk to us, uh, each other in the morning because our minds need to be removed. She goes into an office, I go into the bedroom, we grab a cup of coffee, we sit down with the Bible, and we get our minds renewed in the Word of God, and then we're ready to come and be with each other. Have a specific time. Read the Word until it becomes a part of your lifestyle. Just make it a thing in the morning, whatever. Number two, have a specific place. Where do you read the Word of God? I hope you have a specific place where you hear the Word of God taught on the Lord's Day, But where do you read the the Word of God? Where do you get with God? 
Just him and you with this book. Make it secluded. Leave technology out. Leave all distractions alone. You're meeting the living God. Just come before him with that specific time in your specific place. You and God, renew the mind, God, through this book. Here I go, I'm opening it. I'm trusting you. I'm putting it in my brain. Holy Spirit, change me. Number three, have a specific reading. Have a specific time, a specific place. Have a specific reading. Read intentionally in the Bible. Like if you just open up at eight o'clock in the morning and dive into Leviticus, you're gonna struggle. (laughs) You're gonna be like, I've renewed my mind. I'm gonna go kill an animal now. And it's like, no, don't do that. Maybe start somewhere else. But if I'm talking about those who are struggling. You know, I just want to take step one. Uh, Man, I'm way over time. Uh, Have a specific reading. Uh, Read Philippians, guys. Read Philippians. My family's reading Philippians over and over. Read Read it as much as you can. Read Proverbs. Read Mark. And when you're reading it, ask yourself, do I think like this? Every verse you read, do I think like this? Do I think like this? And here's what I want to say, and then we're going to worship. The full you is waiting to come forth. The full you is waiting to come forth. That is what the scripture means when it says, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Be people of the book. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I know I went over our time, but guys, let's be with the living God for a minute. Let's be here with the living God. Where is this book in your life? Ask the Lord to lead you and to give you a new hunger for his words. He's speaking to you through this book, your father. And he wants wants to teach you in all ways. Whatever you're struggling with, he wants to to be the shepherd of your soul and speak to you through his spirit in the book. If it's the Lord's day, guys, let's commit to the Lord's day to hear his word. Tomorrow morning, find that place. Ask him to lead you in your reading. Commit to it like an athlete. Like day one, with an out-of-shape soul, it's okay. It's day one. Like an athlete, begin the process. Start putting the book in your mind. Ask him to lead you in this. Pray with me that this would be a church wrapped around the book. One mind, the mind of Christ Jesus, one mind. And if you're here this morning and you're not saved, if you're not a Christian and you know you're at a place where you you need change, you're just tired, why don't you meet this Father? His arms are open. Believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. Turn from ejecting Jesus. The best way you know how this morning where you sit in the quietness of your heart Tell him you want him to save you. You want him to be your God and Father. Just do it now.
find new life in this book. And as we hold it, I want you to think of your Father in heaven. He's looking down on you specifically right now and he's saying, I want to speak with you. I want to speak words of life to you. I want to heal you. Your Father is saying, I want to raise you. I want to blow your minds. I want to make you this person that you can't imagine. Commune with me. Spend time with me. And let my spirit loose upon you. Believe this this morning. Pray this this morning. Pray it out before we sing. Will come to 